Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello, and welcome back to the Psych Legal Pop podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm the attorney. And I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. Today, we're going to be talking about the Murdaugh murders, a Southern scandal. (laughs) This is actually uh, season two. Yes. Uh, We covered season one. This is a Netflix uh, special. Uh, We covered season one back in episode 39. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's such a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Innocent, innocent days. (laughs) (laughs) Back when we were just lifetime ago. Young podcasters just starting out. Yes. Um, Yeah. Well, some things have changed. I guess that that season one kind of ended up where he had been arrested Mm -hmm. for the murder. He'd been denied bail and. You know, he's Mm -hmm. just sitting in jail and, um, you know, the trial hadn't started yet. Yes. Although it came out right around the time of the trial, Mm -hmm. because otherwise I wouldn't even been watching it. Like, you know, it was um, because everyone was talking about the trial. But everyone was talking about everything that had been going on since the time of these murders. It was when these murders happened. 2021. When we first were introduced to this family. Yeah, true. But it wasn't as saturated in the media as like when the trial was going on, Mm -hmm. a lot of people were talking about it. Yeah, there were, there were, um, from what I remember, there was a lot of flurry around the time of the murders and then a bunch of other stuff happened. Remember he was found on the side of, we'll get into that like side of the road and then that thing happened. And then, and then more and more stuff about him came out and then, yeah, it was quiet for a while. And then the trial happened. So this season two takes us through the uh, takes us through the trial, basically, and the, yeah. the investigation of him, you know, before they arrested him and they get into the actual police work and stuff, which was only kind of alluded to in the first mm-hmm. in the first season. So um, anyway, it, it starts out with, you know, this 911 call where uh Alec, 
or Alex, however you want to pronounce it. Um, he calls 911 and he says, my wife and son have been shot badly. And then he says, this is a cold-blooded murder. And already the thing, <laughs> the way he's talking is weird. Yeah. Who says that? This is a cold-blooded murder. Well, do they then, is it then when they show you the um, body cam footage of the police officers? And it was really interesting because the police fo- officers come up to him. He's, you know, sweating, panting. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, what what happened? You know, what's going on? And the first thing that came out of his mouth was, okay, well, this is a long story. My son <laughs> yeah. was in a boat there accident. There was a boat accident, yeah. And it's just a little bit like, what, huh? It's like, that's you know, not, no, that's not, yeah, that's no not what they're asking you. It, no one's, but it's just like, no one's mind goes no, there. No, You'd say, oh my God, I just came home and, you know, they're shot. You, your mind wouldn't even, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I saw someone dead. I would assume that would make that leap of the boating accident and all of that, especially since he didn't have enough time to think about it. Right. He and then he also tells the police that he's been getting uh, death threats or or revenge. He He thinks it's like some kind of revenge killing or something. Yes. So he's already got his he's putting his theories out there Mm -hmm. to the police. Yes. And so this is about the, very early on. We meet a lot of ki- people we meet. So some of the same people from the first season are back, but then we meet a lot of new people and mainly mm-hmm. the people that are involved in the case, the prosecutor, the, um, the district attorney, the district attorney, the, the prosecutor, the defense team, which they never have any formal interviews or, and uh, we meet Becky Hill. <laughs> yes. Becky was the kind of uh, yeah. reliable narrator. Yes. Of the, of the season. She's the clerk of court of, is it Colleton? Colleton County. Colleton County. And she's an, she says, I'm elected official, maintains what goes on in the courthouse. Yes, so she's, she's very. Yeah, she, she, she took t- this, she took this very seriously. Yes. Her, this case and her role in it. She's this all was a big bus- deal. Yeah, she's all business. Yeah. And so we learn a little bit about how this same courthouse is where the Murdoch family has been prosecuting cases for years and years and years. So much so, so that there was a picture of, was it a picture of Alex's grandfather? Yeah, I think it might have been the first Randolph Murdoch. Which would be his his grandfather. Or great-grandfather. Great-grandfather, I think. Because his dad was like the third. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Great-grandfather. They had to remove that. Yeah, you know, because it's a little, a little odd. <laughs> yeah, the big picture on the wall of the courtroom. Yeah, they're all doing all this. So, um, yeah, and we learned that this is a very, this was obviously a very high profile case, and there were lines around the building. They could not wait. Oh, the jurors. Oh, well, or, the or jurors the... and everybody. Like across, I mean, that's oh, they to get into about, the courtroom. About to get into the yeah. courtroom, it was. It was the hottest ticket in town. And then there's this very bizarre scene where O.J. Simpson weighs in. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, they, they got sh- O.J. Well, they show a clip. Well, so- I think some- he's on social his own social media, right? Guys. Yeah, he's talking about it, or someone asks him about it, and uh, he says, "Well, people ask me what I think. <laughs> really, people are asking you what you think, O.J." And uh, he says, "I don't know why, but you know." <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he beats it. Mm. And it's like, well, yeah, OJ, yeah. it worked for you. <laughs> yes, yes. So it could work for anybody, I guess. Yeah. Play your cards right. 
<laughs> Except Murdaugh made the uh, huge mistake of actually testifying. Uh, <laughs> so that sealed the deal. What, I mean, well, and I, I don't know. I mean, what's so interesting about this that is different than than the OJ case was the fact of social media mm-hmm. and the technology <clears throat> and phones. Because truly, yeah. the smoking gun... It was, it was a cell phone. Was a cell phone, and and what was recorded on that? It was cell actually phone. like a Snapchat video. Was it Snapchat? I think so. I believe so. Yeah, and so that's the part that is so interesting. Is maybe if there wasn't this technology, maybe mm-hmm. if uh, Murdaugh didn't take the stand, maybe if things were different, you know. I, Because that was the other thing, too, was just the fact that, you know, obviously the changing of the clothes and some of these other things with videos. I mean, when did cops start wearing body cam? Because I don't remember cops having body cam videos. Well, I think that's been since Rodney King. Okay, And and all the recent I mean, as the as police brutality was, you know, um, getting exposed more Mm -hmm. and more. It's always been happening. But as it has been exposed more and more, the body cam started coming in. But yeah, the the DA said that at one point he said we don't really have enough to charge him because mm-hmm. you know there's this issue with the timeline. Yeah, and, and then they they found once they got into Paul's phone, mm-hmm. which Paul's phone they'd had it the whole entire time somehow, and they were asking Alec, "Well, do you know his password?" And mm-hmm. Alec's like, "No." And finally, someone just started trying to put. They put in his birth date, and boom, it opens. Yeah, why didn't why anyone did take start you? with that? Yeah. Don't you start with someone's birthday? It was months later. Yeah. When they finally were able to get into his phone and get that digital footprint, yeah. Can you imagine if the O.J. Simpson? I mean, back then, if they had this, because the whole case was about the timeline. And Mm -hmm. did he have time to, you know, go to Nicole's house and kill them and drive back to Rockingham and all that? Mm -hmm. I mean, you could. Yeah, you could have tracked his phone, his every move. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, it's getting harder and harder to get away with these things. (laughs) I'm telling you, you know, I do. I really wonder about criminals and if they're really pissed off about all this phone technology, Mm -hmm. because. We truly had no idea before cell phones where people were. No. You, you, you know, you just had no idea, no idea. And so that's the part that's so crazy about the world that we live in today. It's almost kind of like now all of these criminals, instead of driving up and down highways looking for, um, looking for hitchhikers. It's like they're lurking inside, you know, chat rooms and other places hunting mm-hmm. for people to kind of come out of their, you know, out of somewhere. It's just, it's unreal. Yeah. And like in the Boston bombing, the Boston marathon bombing case, we cover that too. Yes. Um, yeah. The thing that really, the reason why they were able to catch the bombers was because they had so much video footage from all the mm-hmm. stores and restaurants that were lining the yes. streets and they were able to identify and saw them put the backpack down and then mm-hmm. turn <laughs> turn around and walk away yeah if that camera footage all that closed circuit tv footage hadn't mm-hmm. been there it would have been a lot harder yeah that's another big big difference is once upon a time we did not have all these cameras no well, you know the fact that if you watch a dateline now, you know, they can track cars like the car is going down yeah. here now. Now let's go down the street and find another store. OK, now we're going to go down here. I mean, I, I will say that I know a lot of people had issues with all of this, all of these cameras coming out, mm-hmm. but it it is very effective for right. law enforcement. Yeah. I mean, I know people feel like you can't do anything anymore without being watched, but 
Well, if you're not doing anything wrong, yeah. then nothing to worry about. Yes. So we learn that the big, they start to get into, um, you know, what, what was happening for Alex and the family prior to the murders and that, you know, people are saying that the catalyst for all of this was the boat case. Um, that, you know, Paul was in trouble for, um, he was, he was out on bail. He was waiting trial, right. For the Mallory mm-hmm. beach murder, which we talked about in the first, in the first season, um, Paul, Alex's son, um, was drunk, got into a boat and, and, um, there was an accident and one of his good friends passed, you know, died, drowned. And so he was waiting for that. And, um, well, it, it, this comes up later in, I don't know, like, I I feel like it was the last episode. There's three episodes. The, who was it who who said, oh, Morgan? It, no, it comes out that, okay, Paul, who, yes, is out on bail awaiting trial for a mm-hmm. boat accident, gets caught on a boat. Oh, that's right. Like, loaded with alcohol and people yes. trying to take off in the, you know, on the river or whatever. And he luckily was stopped by the enforcement people out there. Mm-hmm. But- how stupid that this was like a week before the murder. Yes. How sorry. stupid. Yes. And so I think that was one of the things that really put um, Alex over the edge mm-hmm. was that, oh, my God, how fucking stupid can you be? Yeah. How dare you? This is so stupid. And then he was having, uh, you know, all kinds of financial things were coming, crashing down. And mm-hmm. so it was I think it was a lot of things. Yes. And so we also meet this woman, Blanca. Mm-hmm. And Blanca was the former housekeeper and she originally met Alex in the late nineties. She did some translating for him and Maggie was needing some help with the boys. Um, and so they asked Blanca to come. And so Blanca and Maggie developed this very close friendship. Um, and, uh, that, that Maggie, um, you know, it's funny because I feel like we got to know Maggie a little bit more on this episode, mm-hmm. this, this, than we did before, because the way she was portrayed in the first season was sort of this kind of cold yeah. wife. And I think it was nice to see Blanca because I think Blanca had a very different view. And Blanca is taking care of Bubba, who's Maggie's dog. And you just got a different view of who Maggie was. Before I got the sense that she was just this mom of this of this wealthy man that didn't seem to want or care about yeah. parenting that she much wasn't or whatever very warm yeah but apparently she she was um a bit warm but i thought this was interesting so morgan who's paul's ex-girlfriend tells a story about how i think it was maggie that told maggie was telling morgan mm-hmm. that apparently randolph i don't know which randolph it was one two or three <laughs> that randolph's wife wanted a divorce so what he did was he, he wrote an obit in the pa- and published it in the paper mm-hmm. basically as a warning to scare her to scare her and i and Ma- uh, morgan saw that as a way of maggie sort of saying is this what you want right warning this, her yeah is this what you want for a family so anyway they keep going back and forth between these interviews and um you know what's happening in the trial and um it's but, very all over the place. Yeah, it is. But, it's hard to talk about because it's all over the place. But then we get back to the um, the sled officer, the special agent, David Owen. 
and um, they're playing his, they, the prosecution wanted to play these videos first, this body cam first of the, of um, the first interview that Alex did in the car mm-hmm. with, um, and to get his side of the story, basically. Like, and also tell why, us what you know. Why did they put him in the car? Well, yeah, all of these camera, were in the, in, there was a camera in there. Yeah, I, all of these. I see this all the time in Datelines and other shows where they do these interviews always in the car. And I think it's because there's, there's a camera and it's quiet and you could get it's it's contained, better sound. Yeah, private. Yeah. And yeah, like he's asking the police if they're dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's on the phone with. Um, is that his brother? Uh, Randy Randolph. Was it? A, I don't know who it is. Um, and. Anyway, he um, then gives the police this very detailed timeline of what he did that day. Mm -hmm. And he's doing it very calmly. Mm -hmm. You know, doesn't really seem very upset. Mm -hmm. And whoever he's on the phone with, I I wrote down Randy, but I'm like, who's that? Is that one of the Randolphs? Um, And he said, well, it's official. They're dead. (laughs) And. And then he tells the guy on the phone, too, he's like, the police say it's probably retaliation. And it's like, no, the police did not say that. I mean, he's just like planting his story all over the place as he wants it. Yes. Yes. Well, he said, from what I understand in that first interview, he basically told them, I came up to the property. I knew something bad had happened. He checked on Paul, saw Paul was down, picked up Paul's phone and then put it down and then saw Maggie, and then he went right into the boating accident and negative PR. I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, because because Paul was... Yeah, well, this is one of the things they were talking about. They, were, they wanted to lift up Paul's body to see if the firearm was underneath him. Um, because it, To see if it was a suicide, suicide or like, not. Yes, because one theory was that maybe he killed his mother and then killed himself. Right. They thought it was a murder-suicide. But what had happened was, so he had his phone in his back pocket. And after he was shot, he fell, you know, face forward. Mm -hmm. And then um, Alec came over and took his phone out of his pocket, Mm -hmm. but then didn't put it back in the pocket, just placed it on top of his jeans on his, you know, the pocket on the back of his jeans and the mm. po- one of the officers was commenting on that and said i don't think he put that phone back on his mm. behind because i mean he's dead yeah he can't like reach <laughs> take the phone out and then just put it back on top of his so butt. so did alec hear one of the officers say that and think okay i gotta i gotta make sure this was part of my story no pick this, up the phone and put it down <clears throat> no he he didn't know anything about no. it this was the body cam footage because i could have sworn that this is what my notes say. <laughs> but I could have sworn that he said in that car, I picked up the phone and I put it down. Oh, he might have. He, I, I mean, maybe because I think they maybe questioned mm-hmm. him about it. Yeah. I don't know. Because he, he said, well, I did go over and I checked his pulse. Yeah, that's so, right. So, you know, they were just trying to see. They were just kind of confront. It seemed a little sloppy. Like they were just sort of confronting him with facts mm-hmm. and things. And then he would come up with some explanation for it yeah well and so he kept sort of floating out this idea about the boating accident and maybe people are retaliating and then we see various all these people that we see like blanca and um some of the other people that know the kids that were part of the boating accident and you know all of these people were saying no one involved in that boating accident would be guilty of hurting paul 
Like mm-hmm. none of these, like, who are you po- pointing a finger at? Like, this isn't Mallory's parents. Like they, that's what people were saying. Like nobody, none of those kids, you know, are going to come back and shoot Paul and his and mother. Maggie. Yeah. What's yeah. the point of, what's the like, point of killing Maggie? So, um, and so then they go through, so the shooting was on June 7th, 2021. And so then this is when I guess the police really start, they start to piece together. What is the timeline of that day? So we see that Maggie gets up in the morning at six 37. She talks to Blanca. Blanca hears Alex in the background. Um, Blanca gets to the house an hour later. Alex comes out and immediately she says he seemed really jittery. He looked tired, like he just threw like on his clothes, disheveled yeah. and tired. And he just threw on some clothes and maybe like a jacket over it. Almost kind of like something he would wear on the weekend. And then because he was going off to work. He said, yeah, she said he had on khakis, blue shirt and a blazer. And that comes back. That comes back later to yeah. be be an important detail um but that and that she had to straighten out his collar and he was like oh okay great and um that they knew that alex was gonna go he said i gotta go go to work and work on the boat case because there was a civil case i believe with mallory beach's parents Right. right and the big thing was this was another reason why it feels like maybe he felt rushed to have to do this soon because Mm -hmm. the boat case and the civil case, what was going to come out was Alex's finances. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a big problem <laughs> because his finances were a mess. And then we meet someone, Jeannie Seconder, from the this law firm. And um, that around that same time, that same day, she confronts him because they found out that Alex was stealing from the law firm. And she confronted him on $792,000 being missing. Mm-hmm. But he was also trying to, he was putting these funds in Maggie's name, trying to hide assets. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that was, um, I guess, to hide, for the civil case. Yeah. Or, I, don't, I guess. I, mean, I think that, and that's the thing, right? This whole... I mean, this whole idea of, you know, the state of mind that he was in, it was like things were really tumbling down. Like he had so many things happening all at once. Mm-hmm. And he's also an, a drug addict. You know, he's a he has an oxycodone problem. And so he's also not quite in his right mind running around trying to clean up all of this. So during the time that Jeannie is confronting Alex, um, at first he's very rude to her like she's like hi i just want to talk to you and he's he's obviously on edge and then he gets a phone call right in the middle of their conversation about his father being terminal Mm -hmm. and that he's dying and so she's like oh my gosh we have to you know she stops i'm so sorry this is terrible and he indicates to her like she got the sense that he was going to leave and go see his father but Mm -hmm. he never leaves the law firm he gets this call and he stays Hmm. Yeah. And and so that's one of the other things, but he never went to the hospital that day. That's where people thought he, yeah. he went and he wasn't there. Yeah. So, cause Jeannie said that at 4 PM, her phone rang and it was from him asking her these questions about his 401k balances. Yeah. And she was like, wait, you're still here. Surprised that he was in the office. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out why I, I feel like the, the, the um, urgency to, you know, move these assets around mm-hmm. it had to be because he knew he was going to kill Maggie. 
Mm. And he thought that somehow, if I'm trying to think of this, I don't know if South Carolina is a community property state, but trying to think like if he just if he just transfers these things to her mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily solve the problem but i don't know maybe he's not in his right mind he might have been thinking well i'm going to transfer them to her but then when she dies they'll come back to me and i'll be able to hide them in some way i don't know I, or I'm, maybe blame her i don't know could i blame maggie for stealing money i don't know i don't know uh, i know it's it a had, long shot i know it had something to do i i'm sure that it had something to do with the fact that he knew he knew he was going to do this that day because yeah. Maggie wasn't even at Moselle. She was at Edisto Beach at their beach house. And she wanted the family to come out there for the 4th of July. So she was working on getting the house ready. Mm-hmm. And then Alec calls her up and tells her and Paul, who I guess was with her, to come back to Moselle. Mm-hmm. And so they did. And Blanca cooked dinner and, you know, left and then never heard from them again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was that. So he's summoning them back. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know how long he had been planning this, but it seemed pretty hasty. Yeah. Actually. That, that's the part that I think is so odd about all of this is in some ways he's he you can see the the run up to it and the fact that more and more pressure was mounting and he needed to do something and it's like this idea popped in his mind but he did not think it through at all or barely or i don't know i mean maybe he did maybe he maybe he just didn't really get the fact that video was going to do him in or that his son is constantly (laughs) shooting because it's the two you know what it is it's paul's two videos it's the video of him in the tree mm-hmm. with the clothes. Mm-hmm. And it was the video and it was the second. We, we'll talk about that when we get there. The second infamous video the with dog the dog video. Yeah. yeah. I also think a lot of it, too, is just the fact that this is a man who has never had to be held accountable for anything. Yeah. Thinks he's untouchable because he has been. Yes. He and his entire family have lived their lives being untouchable, privileged, uh, you know, above reproach. I mean, it's just like. Yeah, that was his mentality. And then you mix in with that, like, you know, addiction and this desperation and and the money and everything all like coming on him all at once. And I don't think he is that smart. No, he's not that smart. I don't. I don't. He was never very successful. I don't think he was a successful lawyer. It didn't seem that way to me. Yeah. Again, he obviously had to. He was stealing a tremendous amount of money. Mm -hmm. I mean, from his clients and from the firm. Right. And so it's a little bit of, wow, eight million dollars. You know, your addiction is I don't think his addiction was all for his addiction. I I don't think he was a very good attorney. No, he wasn't making money as an attorney and he was living a lavish lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who knows what I have? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? So then it becomes we the last of episode one is Blanca saying, you know, she expected a call from Maggie. She got a call from Maggie every night Mm -hmm. and there was no call. Um, and so we go to episode two, which is March 2023, and we see the auction of Alex Murdaugh's things. Yeah, this was very <laughs> macabre. Very I mean, this was like, yeah. Um, and why were people so fascinated and wanted to go? Apparently, Maggie collected turtle lamps. Yeah. <laughs> I there guess she like loved turtles. A dozen of them or something. She collected turtle shells. Yeah, I mean, what is this stuff? Yeah. And, and what? What gives, again, I'm just thinking, who's auctioning this off and why? I mean, well, I think they have to auction everything off right for the estate and to, 
he's got to pay all these people back, right? Well, but this is not his, I mean, this is her, I mean, her stay, I mean, she, I guess, again, I don't know, there's a lot of legal questions that are, I don't know what the, um, you know, the marital laws are there, but I don't know. It was just very weird. And the way they're in, giddy. Hold on. They're in, keep going. They're South, in South Carolina. They're in South Carolina. So let me look this up. Is Carolina a what? A um, community, community proper property. state. Hey, listen, that was the first thing that came up. I think they're listening. No. South Carolina isn't a community property state. Marital property is divided by the court in an equitable manner as described above. Okay. Um Dower and courtesy are common legal law concepts that have been generally been abolished in the U.S. today. Dower is a wife's life estate and her husband's real property upon his death. Yeah, those are antiquated concepts. But um, yeah, so I guess this is her estate. And so whoever's handling her estate is, and I mean, Alex isn't coming back. He doesn't need any of this stuff. So can I ask you a question? What's the difference between community property and equitable division they're saying no it's not a community property state but it is an equitable division state it just means that the court has the power to divide the assets equitably mm. whereas in california it's a guaranteed 50 50 got it got it or okay. in any community property state you're guaranteed 50 50 oh, okay but you know yeah if it's equitable that just means the judge has the power to say oh well to one party, you came into this relationship with this and you contributed this and you contributed more. So you're going to get 80 mm, percent and the it. other person's only going to get 20. Yeah. So it must. Yeah. So I guess it's because it, I got the sense that the auction was like everything from all of their homes and everything. I thought they were, you know, it really just looked like a bunch of nick tacky knickknacks. Quite yeah, frankly. And then <laughs> I love we meet Dawn. <laughs> Oh God! She was oh my weird. Gosh. So she went. She was thrilled to go to the auction. So two of the things she bought. She bought a vacuum with a full bag of stuff in it. She's so thrilled. Yeah, she bought, and she was like, "Ooh, but I haven't opened it yet." So she I, says she's afraid of what she might find in there. And I'm like, a dead yeah. body. Yeah. And, oh, that's gross. And then she also had a camera. I guess she got a camera that was in the case and th- there was still film in it. Mm-hmm. You know, whoever did this auction, not very thorough. You know, they just, they didn't clean anything. They didn't open anything. No. They didn't do just anything. Like, here's a vacuum. Here, we're not <laughs> going to bother with anything. And um, and so there were a bunch of pictures on there of the family, I guess, and family vacations. Family vacations and, and all of that at, at, a sim- at a simpler time for their family. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Blanca, then we get Blanca. Blanca gets a call from Alex the next day. Um, now, this is part I didn't quite. So he then calls her the next day. Does he then tell her about Maggie and Paul? Yeah, he says they're dead. He says they're dead. And then he says, can you go and clean up the house? Because yeah. we're going to have a lot of people coming yeah. to our house. And she sort of blindly kind of like, okay, goes there. And she thought it was so odd because there were, she went to the sink, there are no pots and pans. All of the pots and pans and food were basically transferred from outside into the Because remember, she made them dinner. So, but did she put it in the fridge before she left? No. So it was on the stove. She She said said it was on the stove. Yeah, she said, I opened the refrigerator, I saw the pots and pans with the lids on them in the refrigerator. She's like, they never do that. So Mm -hmm. obviously they didn't eat the dinner. Yeah. Um, 
uh, what's his face? Alex just put the yeah. pots in there. And then this was the part that was so weird. Maggie then goes up to, Ma- um, sorry, Blanca goes up to Maggie's bedroom and finds Maggie's like two top and bottom pajama set laid out on the floor as mm-hmm. if you were laying it out like to wear it. On but the it's floor. on the floor in the middle of the room. That she, I've she never understood. Said, what she is also that? said, well, she said she, she said she didn't know. She said Miss Maggie would have never done that. Mm-hmm. So it was like, again, Alex is thinking he's uh, staging something that it makes it look like, I don't know what Maggie Did the was, pots make it look like they ate? Was that to make it look like, I oh, they the ate pots, food? I think the pots, he just tried, he didn't know what to do with them and he just stuck them in the refrigerator mm-hmm. to make it look like maybe they, he didn't want it to make it, he didn't want it to seem like they never ate dinner because he, because that was he part said of his that timeline. was part of his timeline. Okay. He he, they were supposed to eat dinner. But then, what do you think the nightgown was? I don't know. Like if if that's him staging something, what is he staging? Don't know. Okay. All right. But well, she said it was weird because you know she just you know she's walking into a crime scene. She had to drive right by the mm-hmm. kennels. She said nobody even stopped her, questioned her, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. The the police are. They're not treating this like <laughs> your normal crime scene. In fact, in that scene in the car where he's they're questioning him, mm-hmm. he kind of starts to cry and they all like start comforting him. Mm-hmm. They're like patting his shoulder saying, oh, it's OK. And, you know, they're just out there. Uh, Alex is coming and going. Blanca's coming. They're mm-hmm. not questioning her. She walks right in. She said she was kind of scared. Like she didn't know yeah. what what she's walking into or or what's going on in the meantime there's the police are out there just going through stuff going through the garbage you know they're just doing Mm -hmm. their thing but it it, there's no yeah there's really no urgency um but the one other thing was that apparently so the family was alex's brother and family they were allowed back on the property pretty quickly Mm -hmm. like they all saw the the crime scene and then apparently, I guess the state will clean up blood and cry, you know, blood from a crime. But the Murdoch said no. Yeah, that was so weird. The brother said, Paul said his name, said uh, he wanted to be the one to, you know, clean up yeah. Paul's brains off the, the ground. And it's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> like, why? Why are you doing this? And then yeah. they showed that. It's almost this feeling. I want to find out what the murdoch brother what's his name because it's it's not is it randy is he is he a randolph oh, there's a randy he has a younger brother john marvin i john thought john marvin. john marvin okay. murdoch was that the guy who was there and i guess he is randy Mur- murdoch both that they had seemed of a was not called to testify i wonder if that's his nickname hmm maybe i'll wait there's okay hold on this is younger. There's an older brother named Randy. And then there's, is John a different brother or is that what they call him? Oh, oh, okay. So he must be the middle. So Alex is the middle. So it seems like Randy's the oldest, Alex, and then John. Okay. And I guess John... Um, he's the one who was always in the courtroom with yeah. Buster. I was and- going to say, and I think that is John the one that's now... Well, Buster, I don't know how old he is. I think he's, you know, he's an adult, but I think that's sort of the family he's with now or staying with. I don't know. 
Well, yeah, and then they show what they called um, the playroom or the gun room. And that oh, looks like God. a dark, that looks like a dark and scary place. Yeah, and that they call it the playroom. I mean, I guess I mean there's like a pool table and stuff in there, but they had a lot of guns. There was a lot of guns, a lot of guns. Um, so the big thing was the defense. Their one of their theories was they wanted to push this idea that there had to be two shooters, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because it doesn't mean that Alex wasn't one of them, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little bit like, well, you're not really helping your yeah. guy here. Yeah. Not again, not the brightest bulb on the tree. <laughs> really is. Well, this was his defense team. So they came up with this two shooters. Um, so the prosecution went to this guy, Kenny Kisney, Kinsey, who's an expert. Um, and they wanted to know, is that plausible? Like, if this is one of the things they're going to throw at us, is this plausible? And um, this expert found that, no, it's not plausible. They believe how it happened was that there were two separate guns, that Paul was the first victim, that he was in this feed room. Mm. So this kennel, they had tons of dogs. I don't know if it's for hunting or yeah, just because they have all that property. Hunting and, dogs. Although I didn't, they didn't really see that many yeah, dogs. But the was, kennel's huge. Yeah. But what he was saying, what the forensic guy was said first was that you know, if there were if there were two shooters, they sure didn't do a very good job. They didn't carry it out very efficiently mm. because of the way that the evidence, you know, bears out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an efficient shooting. <laughs> you know what I yes, mean? Yes. If you had two people, you could just sneak up on them. Boom, boom. Yeah, you know, you're done. But because Alex had to kill two people who yes. were who were only um this one of the reporter, the woman was at the Washington yeah, Post. Yeah, oh, I have that. How Valerie, many steps? It she was said it was like t- they were twelve, 12 steps. Twelve steps apart. Maggie and um, Paul were about twelve steps apart mm-hmm. when you know when the shooting happened. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was chaotic because yes. Paul gets shot first, and then of course Maggie's running towards him. Yes, which is also again shows that these people knew. Like there were no defensive wounds, meaning they Mm. knew who this person was. Plus, if you thought about it, if you're Maggie and you're seeing a stranger just shot your son, Mm -hmm. you would be like, oh, crap. And you would turn around and start running in the opposite direction. And so that would mean that she would be shot in the back. Mm -hmm. But obviously she was running toward, you know, she's running towards them. So that's why she was shot very hastily, like first in her leg, then in her, you know, she had a lot more, um, shots because i think he was like whoa wait i gotta get my other gun (laughs) hold on hold on maggie this was a part of my plan and luckily she she tripped and fell or some or or did she fall because of the i thought she fell because of the shot because because paul was the first victim he was in the feed room so i think apparently he didn't see the first shot right his back was to the door yeah and so then um did i know he was shot in the chest he was shot in the chest first, and then he he somehow took a few steps. He stumbled a few uh-huh. steps forward and fell. got to the edge of the door. It's a very small little room, kind of like a closet. And then he gets to the edge of the door, and then um, and then Alex sees him and goes, "Oh shit! Like he's moving. Mm-hmm. He's coming towards me." Because he just shot him point blank in the chest. Mm-hmm. He stumbles forward. And then Paul shoots him in the head mm-hmm. and then he falls flat on his face. Yeah. And so all and Maggie's seeing this. Yes. And she's running towards Paul 
And so, yeah, so then Alex frantically shoots her, like... With a different gun. With a different... Somehow, that, I don't know how he got his other gun so fast, but he did. And he shot her the, like, a few times in the legs and the stomach or something. Well, and then she fell. Mm-hmm. And then he shot her, like, just point blank in the in the head again. Well, yeah, he... Um, let's see. So he, she was shot with a rifle and she was going towards the feed room. So there were three non-fatal shots mm-hmm. in the thigh, I think, leg and stomach. And then the fatal, she was, then she fell down. The fatal shot was when she was down. And so I think he shot her again. Then she's dead. She's dead. And then he walks around above on top of her head, the final shot. I mean, that's like, whoa. Okay. Um, Well, he probably, he was probably surprised by the fact that Paul didn't just, you know, die with one shot. So he's like, okay, well, I guess I better... uh, yeah. But no, he did not plan this out because no. if you have two different guns, he's shooting Paul. And then, yeah, I wonder if Maggie was farther out. I think maybe he didn't think that Maggie was going to run as fast or got as fast as there because obviously mm-hmm. it was very clumsy of him. Like, mm-hmm. but he really didn't think it through at all. Well, of course not. Um, so then we go back to the courthouse and we have well, the defense calls. We see. Because we don't really see the prosecution lay out their case and then the defense lay out their case. They didn't cut it that way, the way the documentary is. So now we're to the defense calling Buster Murdaugh. And apparently that was Alex's birthday weekend. It was Memorial Day weekend and um, before the shooting. And Buster's like, oh, yeah, it was a normal weekend, just like any other weekend. Well, yeah, he's trying to show that they were just one big happy family. Yeah. And why would he, he then kill these people a yeah. week later? But Blanca's like, that's not what's happening because of what you said. That was it was Memorial Day weekend that Paul got in trouble at all. Again, when mm-hmm. DNR stopped him because he had alcohol on the boat and um, quote unquote, Alex was going to quote unquote, take care of it. So, so that happens Memorial Day weekend, Alec, things are falling, you know, I think that, that, um, Alex, like my money stuff's coming out. I've got this case for this other thing. This dumb kid keeps Mm -hmm. drinking and getting into this boat. And this is this brilliant plan he came up with a week and a half later. Yeah. And then, uh, weirdly Randolph the third dies the day after the murders or the next day. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, and I think they have a, ser- they, they all, I think they were all buried on the same day. I think Maggie, yeah. Paul, I think they had a memorial a tri- service. They had a triple funeral. Yeah. I mean, unreal. So, um, yeah. And then like, then they go back to, this is sort of skipping around a little bit, but they go back to how, you know, this is before the trial, but months after the killings, you know, the, the police, they're, they're telling people there's no danger to the public. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Um, but we don't have any suspects that we can name because they just didn't have enough evidence yeah. against um, Alex to do anything. But the public is just like, what is going on? You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're very confused. But anyway, then they show the testimony of um, Shelly, Michelle Smith who was um, his mother Libby's caretaker. Mm-hmm. And um, that's... He, he, Alex tried to use her as an alibi. Mm-hmm. And that was the night, you know, apparently, like, right after he shot them, mm-hmm. he went over to his mother's house and he stayed... Uh, she said he was acting strange, fidgety. 
he sat down with her, watched a TV show for about yeah. 20 minutes. Because he goes there. Of course, the whole thing's really so odd, right? Why would you go visit your mom at nine o'clock at night? Yeah, she was asleep when he and got And she was there. asleep. And I think most people would be like, oh, she's asleep. Okay, I got to go by. But then he sits down. And I think she thought that was odd. Yeah. Like, Shelly thought that was odd. Like, he sits down, stays there, I think, for what he feels like. Oh, this is, she'll think this is 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then leaves. Yeah. Yeah. And then... um the next day he went back over there and he said, if anyone asks, I was here for 30 to 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so she just kind of, I don't know, know what she, if she thought it was going to come to this or what she thought. But, you know, when it came time to um, testify about that, you know, she told the police, no, like mm-hmm. he, he was here like 20 minutes. And she said she was scared. Yeah. You know, and I don't blame her because it's like this, these are powerful people. But, you know, at this point, Alex doesn't really have <laughs> anyone who's going to like yeah, stick with him at this point, you know, whatever. But yeah, she was scared, but she told the truth. And then we see that apparently that summer, so this all happens in the beginning of June. So we then see over the next two months, Alex and Buster are just living their best lives. Yeah. They're going to boat shows, they're drinking, they're, you know, going out. And so then Alex comes back and has, you know, after months of this, and we see an interview he did on August 11th with the police where he comes back. He's thinner, he's tanner. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you have any suspects? Got what's, ha- what's happening with <laughs> yeah, this? Can I get an what's update? What's happening with this little case of ours here? You know, <laughs> do I have any suspects or anything? What's what's happening? Who are you going to blame this on? <laughs> and um, again, they ask him about the timeline. And this is, by this point, right, they have the video. I think they have the video of the tree. They have this video that Paul took of... So before before he shot either of them, he was out on the property, like hanging out with Paul. They were doing some stuff, and and Alex just riding around. They were on those on riding around on like a, a one of those. Um, oh God, what are they called? Those little ATV vehicles. Yeah, and they were shooting at stuff, doing some target. Oh, that's right, target practice. He shot. Well, that's what. Yeah, that's what Alex said that they both went off and shot. I think. Which is, you know, a good thing to tell people if you if they find gunpowder residue on your hands or something on yeah. your clothes. Um, but they were fooling around. Yeah, there was a video of like um, Alex like trying to pull up a tree, and they're laughing. And and in that video, he's wearing khaki pants khakis. and blue shirt, long blue sleeve blue shirt. So now this video appears, and so the police are asking him and said, you know, when you called us from 911 and we saw you you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt mm-hmm. but this video is earlier in the day and you're wearing this what happened <laughs> and he really i think i couldn't tell i mean he seemed stunned he was he seemed a yeah. little stunned and a little like huh he said he couldn't remember yeah if he had changed or when or he couldn't remember if he showered and again this is a day like like the worst day of your life. Yeah. And you don't remember. I can see on a, a normal day, if someone asked you like three months ago on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. what time did you change your clothes? Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, he would have had to remember this. So then, so that interview is August 11th. Then on August 20th, Alex calls poor Blanca and asks her about his clothing mm-hmm. and says, Do you, does she remember what he was wearing? 
And she was really like, you know, she's scared too. Yeah. You know, these people that they're, they keep, keep circling around, you know, and I think it's very interesting that he keeps picking women, women of color mm-hmm. to, and that they are in some sort of employment of right. his. To act to, to kind him. of like, you know, what was yeah. I wearing and what was this and what was that? Trying to see. Yeah, like you're I feel back like he was up, fishing. Right? Yeah. I feel like he was fishing for Blanca. Like, would Blanca lie? You know, would Blanca lie for me? Yeah, and say, oh, I saw him come in at this time and he took mm-hmm. a shower and changed his clothes. Yeah, and remember, he and he asked Blanca and her husband to move on to the property. Yeah, that I thought was so weird. And I was like, why? I think, again, he's trying to, like, have some control, to have some control over her or of some sort. Yeah, I don't... To help him with his alibi? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the other thing, too, was that, I don't know. I mean, it's no longer a crime scene. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Also, one thing Blanca said, too, that I thought was interesting. She said that that Maggie never went to the kennels Mm. and she never left the house after dark. Yeah. She was a very, she said she was a very scared person, mm-hmm. scared of the dark. Apparently it's really dark and scary out and that there. Property. I didn't realize how big it was, yeah. but they show you this aerial view. I mean, it seemed like no wonder they have, they have to take a car yeah. to go to the kennel. So it's yeah. not like the kennels are right over no, there. I mean, it's like this half is, a mile away. Yeah. This is the country. Yeah. Like this is the country. No neighbors, no nothing country. You know? Yeah, they they they. One of the things they do when they're out puttering around on the property is look for wild boars. <laughs> There's wild boars like out there yes. running around. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only thing that's lit up is the house. Uh-huh. You know, everything else is just pitch black. Yeah, because there's no there's no um there's no lights, lights or anything no. like that. I mean, so crazy. Scary. Yeah. So then September thirteenth. Is this when, is that the day? I'm so confused. I don't know if this is, I see, they they also had something on September 4th and then they had something else that was September 13th. But which was the day? Oh, I think that the 4th was when Alex goes to this guy, Eddie, Eddie Smith, and they call him Cousin Eddie. Mm -hmm. And so basically Cousin Eddie has this sort of mystique around him that he's some kind of drug dealer and he's, you know, shysty and and he's well, maybe they, a killer like, for hire kind they call of thing him the clean he's the cleanup guy for yeah. the murdaws and they call him the fourth murdaw <laughs> what a what a distinction yeah i just wrote down this guy's a piece of work this eddie i mean whatever he is i i, I don't i don't quite i think i don't quite believe everything that eddie's telling us i think mm-hmm. the truth is somewhere in between mm-hmm. i think that he did do a lot of illegal stuff for Alex, knowing that it was illegal and knowing it was shady mm-hmm. and knowing all of this. And, um, but I don't think he was this huge kingpin no. kind of like no. person that people were making him out to be, or that Alex was trying to make him out to be. No, he was not. He's, I don't know why he started doing all these things for Alex, but probably because Alex threw a little bit of money yeah. to him here and there, and it was more money than he was going to be able to make or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, so he just did it. And one of the things he had him do was launder money through writing him all these checks. Okay, so this I did not understand. Maybe I just don't understand money laundering. So he's writing checks from his account. Yeah. To, to G, Eddie. It says Eddie for random amounts. The amounts aren't like 13000 It's like $12,494.27. Right. So he's, he's writing it to Eddie. And so is he saying that 
when he does his taxes, is he saying, well, I'm paying Eddie for some, yeah, for some fees. So is this, is he laundering the money through his, through, is this the law firm or is this the, I can't remember if the name on the check said what was a personal, I think it was a personal account, but I can't, I'm not certain because they showed the, the face of the check. Mm hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't fully... It's a very I don't weird fully money laundering I feel I don't, don't really understand it myself. But yeah, he was basically... He was writing him checks, and then he'd deposit it into his account, and then write him a check back, and then, I guess, and then he would deposit it as being for something different. You know, he's just using it as, mm. you know, saying he's paying for something that he's not really paying for, saying he's received money for something he hasn't really received money for. Oh, got it. And that's what he's trying... Okay. Yeah just seems like an odd way to learn like through one person yeah, one and person one means like yeah. how much how much i can understand if he had like a, well, he a store a that he could launder or, yeah, money through right, i mean that right. would make a lot more sense than just right. giving this one human being over and over and over again so that's what they figured out he wrote checks to him for how much for was, half a million uh, 700 2.4 million oh my god so two it was like 400 and some odd checks and he's being at the end, where they do the little chirons yeah. of it, so that he he's he's currently being, I think, prosecuted for it. Yes, Eddie yeah. is. Eddie, Eddie's yeah. in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Um. So I guess he goes. So Alex goes to Eddie and wants to meet him at the funeral home, which mm-hmm. is interesting. And you know, says, "Hey, um, what Eddie claims is Alex said, can you shoot me? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> will you shoot me?" And, um, and then apparently Eddie says, this is very interesting. Eddie says to Alec, what happened? Like what was going on over at Moselle? And Eddie says like, what happened at Moselle? And Alex's response was things just got fucked up. (laughs) I mean, that's, there's nothing more telling than that. (laughs) Yeah. Not, I don't know. He can't even, I have no idea. I feel terrible. It's like, yeah, things just got fucked up. Yeah, it was it was which, weird. Which then made me wonder if that wasn't what was supposed to happen. Do you mm. think that it's possible that he really only meant to shoot Paul and that Maggie no, because he asked Maggie to come. Why ask Maggie to come? Yeah. And why the two guns? Yeah, I guess that's true. I yeah. guess he knew he was gonna kill both of them. I guess he figured out I've gotta kill Paul so that this lawsuit will go away, and I've gotta kill her. Cause I've laundered a bunch of money or I've, I've now put a bunch of money in her name. And well, and I just think he just didn't want to deal with her wrath when she found out that, you know, they were broke. Oh, that cause too. I don't think she knew. Oh no, I don't yeah. think she knew. I don't think she knew about the financial stuff and it was going to come out that basically they were broke. They were going to have all their assets taken from them. Um, and everything was just going to blow up. Yeah. And Yeah. He's like, well, but, I think I'll just start over. Yeah. <laughs> I start a new family. Oh, yeah. There we go. Okay. Worked for OJ. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> so um, apparently Eddie said, no, I'm not going to do that. Are you insane? No. And um, then, so that was on the 4th. And then on the 13th, there's a call, a 911 call where someone, I thought this was really interesting. The 911 the, did you see that the nine they sh- they played a couple nine one one calls, mm-hmm. and one of the calls was that from a woman who said, um, "Do I have it here?" About it being like this seemed like a setup. 
I thought that all happened on the same day because that he Eddie, approached Eddie yeah, and Eddie, all of that happened. Oh, Eddie, I don't know where I got nine. I, I kept, they just showed two, two very close dates in September. I'm like, what's this happening? What's this? I don't know. Cause yeah. Eddie says that he fired a shot. Cause Alex, I think was just acting manic. Yeah. And he fired a shot in the air just to scare him or something. And then Alec fell backwards and oh, and hit his head. hit his head or something. And, but he wasn't bleeding. No one was shot. And it was funny because he says, um, he, he, he says, well, <clears throat> I wasn't shot. He wasn't shot. No one was shot. Nothing. I didn't do anything wrong. So I went home. <laughs> he figured yeah. he was in the clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Alec got in his car and he pulled away. And then I thought that Eddie said he followed. Yes, he followed him. him. Oh, and then maybe I think that's when he fired the gun. I don't know. Yeah. The, it, the Eddie, the, so the, he Eddie's storytelling him. is not yes. very good. <laughs> well, I think I think from what I remember Eddie talking about it. So that so that yeah, they have this conversation at the funeral home. Um, Eddie said no. He said, fine, I'll just do it myself. He gets in the car, he goes down the street, Eddie follows him. Mm-hmm. Something gets him to stop again. Alec gets out of the car comes over to the to his car and that's when eddie pulled out the okay, gun threw, yeah. threw the shot he falls over he hits his head yeah so but i still think that happened on the fourth and then i think that a, a week a different goes day, by okay. a different day alex like okay today's the day i'm gonna shoot myself because they show him in the ambulance yes and he does have blood on him in various places and it looks like he's kind of scratch you know scraped up and whatever so i don't know what he i mean eddie did not try According to Eddie, again, mm-hmm. who knows? He, he claims he did not try to shoot him. I don't know if if he faked a shooting. So I remember when the story first came out, they reported that he was shot in the head. Yeah, but clearly he wasn't mm-hmm. shot in the head because that would have that wasn't that, that was yeah. not part of this documentary. They n- never said anything. It looked like he, I don't know, like got someone to just rough him up or beat him up and put put some blood on him oh i thought that i thought he shot himself but it wasn't fatal i don't think he has the nerve to do that well yeah so that's out so he was quote unquote changing his tire and he claims that someone came along and shot him and then he was really trying to indicate there eddie smith and then we get a little bit about the backstory of eddie smith and how, you know, he was Alex's drug dealer, which basically I think meant that he probably just picked up scripts for him. Or I bet you anything that Eddie probably went around to a lot of different hospitals. I think this is one of the things that he probably did for Alec, which is I think that Eddie went to a bunch of different hospitals crying of pain. You know what people do, drug seekers do, which is go to this hospital. Okay. Emergency room. I hurt my foot. Can you give me 30 oxycodone, which they don't do anymore. I mean, they're so tight with it really now, but this was back in 2015, 2016. I think that that was one of the things that he did was I think he kind of like he med seeked for him and maybe, maybe bought some for him illegally and kind of was the middleman for all. But he talked about going out to these little airports and stuff and picking stuff up. Oh Yeah. Well, I think I there was a lot was. of that stuff that was that he heard. He he remembers Alec had a um, a uh, something that he wanted um, Eddie to take with him. And he said he could hear it shaking the pill bottles. So maybe maybe he was ordering the stuff 
online maybe you know but i think basically he used eddie as a middleman to like go and yeah. do stuff for yeah. him the unsa- because the unsavory thing yes that- because the thing is is that he had a massive problem you have to get you have to have so many pills a day if you have an oxycodone habit like that like that's why i'm saying i'm like i'm wondering i don't know if you had him go around and pill seek i'm just thinking mm-hmm. like i think this is a lot of what eddie did was like just some of these unsavory things as a way of kind of keeping mm-hmm. the drug habit going yeah and he also said that one of the reasons why he he, he claimed that he did not like doing this check cashing stuff mm-hmm. and he didn't want to do it anymore and alex kind of like made a, a veiled threat about yeah. his daughter yeah your daughter still work at such and such yeah, place. she was going to school and i think i thought he said usc and he said something like it's not a very good neighborhood and alex made it sound like you know he was gonna someone's gonna get someone to attack her in this bad neighborhood or something but i but i think that's the other part of it too is i think this is how how powerful this family yeah. was and how how much people were just scared so eddie's like i can't get out of this it can make people disappear yeah yeah you know one thing that was interesting was this um did Eddie say this or did Morgan Paul's ex-girlfriend say this about how everyone knew he had a problem? Like it mm-hmm. was well known that he had a problem that there was there were drugs hidden all throughout the house. Everywhere there were drugs hidden and that Maggie knew something was up. And so I do wonder if that's another reason yeah, why just if she reason. was already kind of at a point with him of being pissed and just what is going on and our son's falling apart. He's in all this trouble, you know, um, Maybe he also, maybe she was saying things to him like, you know, if you keep, you got to get clean or you keep using drugs, I'm going to leave you. Maybe he felt like this was easier than a divorce. Right. Um, Yes. So, so, but the defense uh, did try to blame him for the murders. Try to blame who? Tried to blame Eddie for the murders as well. That was also one of the defenses. They alluded that maybe Eddie killed them. Like this was what, again... That's pretty desperate. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So then we're, so this is 10 months after the killings. The police are basically saying, God, we don't have enough evidence to charge him. They finally figure out the password, which was (laughs) to Paul's phone. If it took him, I mean, I'm sorry, but 10 months to figure out that maybe we should try his birthday on on it. Yeah. Who is, this is a real um, gap in whatever. But anyway, okay. So I believe I had heard at the time it was a Snapchat video so Paul is keeping um, this dog for his friend, Ro- Rogan Gibson. He has, uh, it's like a new puppy. And I don't know why he was keeping him for him. I think Rogan was out of town. He was out of town or something. And yeah. he needed someone to watch him. So he he wanted, he was trying to FaceTime with him to show him something on the dog. But the, the signal out there is really bad. Mm-hmm. So he decides to take. I believe it was a Snapchat video. Mm-hmm. Like a that's one, what the youngsters do. That's what the young kids do. <laughs> they snap each other. So um, so he's he goes into the kennel and he's filming the dog and trying to show him there's some spot on the dog's tail. And you can clearly, clearly hear Alex talking in the background. Yeah. And, you know, ding, ding, ding. Alex <laughs> supposedly was never well, there. So the video was shot at 8.44 p.m. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important, because the two of them, they determined that they were killed at 8.49. Because all their phones went yes. silent for the so last time. They believe that from 8.44 to 8.49, that there was no phone u- usage. And so they believe that this is when they were killed. So 
this blew everything out of the water and they played this in court and apparently like a silence fell Mm -hmm. over because it's so crazy. I don't think I'd ever seen the video before, but it was really fascinating. Like you hear Paul talking and then you hear Maggie and then all of a sudden you hear, come on, Bubba, come on, Bubba. And you're like, oh, that's him. Yeah. And then you hear him again and you can clearly hear him in the background talking. And so that's when... Things were things weren't good. Yeah, and then a couple minutes later, after this video was sent, they the the all three of their phones, the activity stopped mm-hmm. completely. And they were t- talking about how these people were constantly on their phones, yeah. yeah, all the time. And so that's that was the smoking gun. Mm-hmm. Was um this video? Well, um, yes, but the thing is, is that not according to Alex Murdoch, <laughs> of course not. He took the stand. Which is always, I mean, just unreal. Yeah. It, it was, and that was the whole thing. I was like, are you this delusional that you think people are this yeah. stupid? Yes. Also, too, here, I, I also blame his lawyers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know if your client is, um, you know, intent on testifying, you know, and, and they just won't listen to you, there's nothing you can do. However, he was on the stand for several days mm-hmm. and he was, he, I watched some of it and he was doing these long narrative talks, Mm -hmm. which the lawyers should have stopped him. Mm -hmm. And maybe they tried maybe because, you know, you're only supposed to just, you know, answer the question that you're being asked Mm -hmm. and shut up. And he's just going on and on and on, just digging himself a deeper. Why were they not telling him at every break? Shut up. Like, mm-hmm. just answer what's being asked. Don't go off in these long soliloquies. And he just buried himself. And not like he, I mean, I think out the gate, the yeah. minute he got up there. I think if he didn't testify, I think he would still be convicted. Because it really was, I, I think it's, if I was on that jury, it would be the 844. Mm-hmm. And the fact then, because his his basic thing was that he said, I lie. I he goes and takes yeah. the stand and says they. He says, "Well, I lied. I didn't. I was really there." But he and then and then they try to ask him like no one ever asks him. They say, "Why did you lie?" And he basically says, "Well, a tangled web we weave." <laughs> yeah, and, and that was it. I well, was like, no. Well, they they asked him later to explain what that meant. Oh yeah, the judge did. And at, he, the, at the sentencing, the judge did. Yeah, but even in, in during the trial, I think one, I think the other attorney asked, "Well, what do, what does that mean?" And he said, "Once I told a lie, I had to keep lying," mm-hmm. which is true. <laughs> That's I mean, so yeah, those were his first words out of his mouth on the stand. He admits he's at the kennel. He admits he lied to the police, and then he so, just felt like he had to keep where do he you had go? to keep going. Where do you go? Lying. Yeah, I mean, where do you go from there? So, I, and I thought that the who was that? Was it the the district attorney? of the state the who who's the person that is the who's the district is it the district attorney for a county and then who was that other guy well the the head guy who the guy with the short the the dark hair yeah. with this that wore a suit he was kind of like the higher up um yeah he was the district attorney the other t- the two lawyers who were actually the trial lawyers mm-hmm. were just trial prosecutors who worked in that office yeah so and i thought he brought up a very good point which is if if you are innocent and you are at those kennels at 844 and then you learn that your wife and son are shot at 849, what's your right. first response? I your first response should have been there. Oh my God, I was there. I should have been there. Mm-hmm. What could I have done? Oh mm-hmm. my, I was so quickly. And so 
to lie, you know, that that did not help him at all. <laughs> no, at all. no. I mean, he was doomed. I, yeah. I don't I because he's just he's so full of shit and just yeah. so far gone. Um, So we do see the jury gets a go on a trip to Moselle to Which, see how, uh, what was this terrible idea. Who, and this was the defense yes. who wanted this. I thought that was weird too. I'm like, why, why does the defense? And I think the prosecutors were like, great, let's okay, take yeah, a trip. Let's go. I mean, how, how is that going to help you? What were they trying to show? I do not know. They never explained that. No. And so, and mainly what we see is this all through this reporter who talks about how she was one of the people that got to go. There are very few reporters that got to go. And she was one that got to go. And that she really, and that they, they weren't even watching what they were doing. She really wanted to see how everything lined up. She wanted to see the distance between where Maggie fell and Paul. And that's where she figured out it was 12 steps. And, um, you know, you, you see people there at the kennel taking pictures of, of everything mm. but we don't know what the jury learned you know what we didn't see much more from that um yeah no one ever talked about what they thought about it they only had that one juror gwen mm-hmm. who, who they interviewed well um, and then apparently so on um march 2nd uh 2022 the jury starts to deliberate and apparently the defense team heard that the jury wanted a monitor to see some exhibits. They want to watch some videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and the defense took that as a positive sign. I'm like, no, they want to watch the video of, of, the, they want to watch. of your client. What your client was lying about. <laughs> yes. Remember? Yes. They so wanted I'm, to make sure they heard it right <laughs> before like, they convict videos. Yeah. It's the two videos that do them in, right, you know, it's right. like watch all you need to do is watch that one video plus the changing of the clothes video and you're that you're done for yeah, those defense lawyers i couldn't tell if they were delusional or if they were just trying to do the best that they could with what they had i think they were i don't know i think it was a little bit of both and i think maybe they were also good old boys too yeah. that were just kind of like, like there's oh, no way this guy can yeah. get con- this is murder this is a murder he yeah. can't get convicted yeah so then an hour later less than an hour later they reached a verdict and a silence fell over the crowd. <sighs> and then we learned from what was her name again? I forgot her name. Who was the nice lady we met in the beginning? Um, Becky Hill. Becky. We learned about Becky reading the having yeah, to she read. She was very nervous yes, about having very to nervous. read the verdict, but she she did it. Yes. Um, it was interesting though, because I thought we meet Gwen, who's one of the jurors, mm-hmm. and she talks about how, you know, she was like, you know, when I got on the jury, it was like, okay, let's, let me see. You know, she came in with this open mind, which is what you're supposed to do of like, okay, you know, prove, you know, let's see, let's, okay, I'm here to, I'm here to see it. I don't have any preconceived notions about how this should go. Mm-hmm. And then she said, she knew pretty much that he was guilty. She knew what her vote was when they went to deliberate, but apparently there was one woman it was one one. I mean, she kind of indicated that she was a younger woman that just could not wrap her brain around the idea that a father would kill his son and wife. That that someone would not would do this someone to their could family, kill their own family. And, and I, I feel like that's what Alex was banking on a bit when yeah. when I think this in his back of his mind, he's like, no one will ever believe it was me. But that's first of all, that's the dumbest statement from this juror because. It happens all the time, every day. <laughs> I know. Most people are murdered by somebody they know and somebody who was probably could be a family member. I mean, that is the mo- that is the most common thing. And it's like, do you not watch Dateline? No. Do you not watch not. like these documentaries? I mean, yes, people are killed by their family members. You know- 
every single day, multiple times a day. What are you talking about? Well, and I think the part that's really hard and it's always, and I, I'm with, you know, it's a huge leap is when, when husbands kill their wives, which happens all the time, um, that I can believe, but it's just something about killing your children. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, and I can kind of understand that sort of, if it was just the wife, maybe I could get on, you know, I'll get on board with you, but maybe there was something about that of like, how could he possibly kill his son? No, that couldn't be it. You know, how could this be? So well, the son was going to ruin his life, you know, mm-hmm. with this boating accident. And, uh, yeah, it was a bridge too far for him. Um, so yeah. So then we see the March, third he gets the um is the sentencing and this is where the judge the judge has his time to talk and talking about how disturbing all of this is and i thought that was interesting ask that's when he asks alex like what did you mean when you said what a tangle web we weave and that's when he said i when i lie i continue to lie so we got two life sentences consecutively um and uh so everyone was this Becky Hill that said then once that happened, they thought everything was going to be quiet, but it opened up a lot of new questions. And one of the new questions, and maybe this is for season three, is did Alex have help? Mm. You know, um, yeah, and everyone thinks there's another person, Morgan, Morgan. a lot of the, fr- the they also interviewed the other Mallory Beaches. His was name was Tony. Name? Yeah. He was Mallory Beach's boyfriend and they interviewed him as well. And those two really believed they both believe there's someone else involved. And I was like, because they never found the guns, right? Right. Never found the, the weapons. And also they asked Blanca if she thought yes. someone else was involved. And she said she didn't feel comfortable answering that question. Yeah. So it seems like there might be someone else involved. Um, and then, yeah, we just, we just see the end. We see uh, Blanca take Bubba to go visit maggie's grave mm-hmm. and um and then we learn that you know alex is appealing his um he's appealing his sentencing well, good luck with that and eddie is facing charges for cashing 437 checks for 2.4 million dollars um and um yeah so i actually took and that was it and i actually i went online and i looked around to see like what's happening with murdoch today and mm-hmm. i was very and so I read this thing that apparently someone who was housed with him, like went to a reporter and talked about it and um, said that basically that he's getting a lot of special treatment, mm-hmm. um, that he's getting a lot of special treatment in prison. The guy tells this story of how, like, I guess prisoners now all get tablets. Mm-hmm. But when you get a tablet, you know, it takes a long time to get the tablet and it's old. And he said mine had like a cigarette butt, you know, a cigarette <laughs> put Burn, out on it. Yeah. And it's, you know, not that great. But apparently Alex got one brand new really quickly, mm. like handed to him that didn't he get in trouble, though? For yes. Doing something. Yes. He got in trouble for two things. So he's got some internal disciplinary charges. One is an abuse of privileges and the other one was using an inmate's pin number. So mm. I think that so I think obviously he still has money. So someone right. that's the other thing. I thought this guy was flat broke. I thought he had nothing to his name, but apparently He's got a lot of money. And they were saying that, like, one of the most coveted things in prison is a cell phone and that it can cost up to $2,000 to get a cell phone. And apparently he, like, that he has all this money that he will go, that he has, like, 
you know, you can spend up to $150 at the commissary. He'll go and spend $150. And apparently like, hey, you want a bag of coffee? Will you sweep my floor? Mm -hmm. Hey, do you want this? Like he's got a staff. He's got people that are doing a bunch of stuff for him in exchange for commissary goods. He's getting all of this. um, He's getting all of this special treatment because I'm sure that these guys at the jail are at the prison. Sorry, are um, also good old boys and probably oh Murdoch. And I'm going to get in with this guy. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, this guy said Alex is running around acting like he's running for frat president. (laughs) He's still using, and he's still using, um, he's using money in prison to be catered to, and he's still using drugs, which I would totally believe, too. So, apparently, Alex is still the goddamn narcissist he's always been, and he's just sitting in prison, and he's in a special little area where, you know, where police officers are and child abusers and other people like that Mm. um, that have to be in a special section, but, and I would think you know but apparently and then there was some whole thing about the phones were down and there was no communication but they would let alec use the phones i mean mm. it was just yeah i went can on imagine. and on and on i can imagine yeah and he's you know his family still has money that they're always going to give him money you know that john marvin and mm-hmm. what i want to know i was going to look this up and i just forgot spaced out about it i want to know what is buster doing like what is his, find out what is his life um you know, post-trial. I mean, I'm sure, again, I'm sure he's doing just fine financially. What is Buster? What money. was he doing? Well, remember what was he, he doing he got before? Kicked, he got... Oh, that's right. He, he got, got kicked, kicked out, of school. out of law school, didn't he? Or for uh, plagiarism. Okay, here we go. We're... Oh, um... Let's see. Let's see what is happening with Buster. So he's 26. He's been leading a relatively quiet life amid amid his family scandal. Um, let's see. Here's everything we need to know. Buster <laughs> believes that his father's innocent. Well, okay. <laughs> Buster's name has been connected to a classmate's death. Okay, we knew that oh, yeah, from that Stephen from, Smith. Yeah. That was in the first season. Um, he denied that being part of that. Um, he filed a police report against the media. Um <laughs> On March 4th, 2003, 2023, the New York Post included a photo of Buster inside of his home in Hilton Head as one of their stories. they still have a home in Hilton Head. Yeah, so apparently... Uh, Yeah, um, he's fine. Yeah, he was present for his father's sentencing. Let's see. We know that. He was kicked out of law school. We know that. Tell us something new. I think he's Um, just kind of hiding out So yeah, he So, yeah, he went to Woofford, and then I guess he, he left after the deaths. And he lives with his girlfriend. So he reportedly resides in a condo with his girlfriend, Brooklyn White, on Hilton Head Island mm. in South Carolina. She, Brooklyn, with two N's, <laughs> works as an attorney <laughs> at Avaletti, McRae, and oh Wilfrow Law Firm. Do you know that one? Girl, no. I no. mean, girl, why are you... You're smart. Why are you, like... She purchased the condo a month after the murders. Oh, she purchased it. Purchased the condo in 2023. So he's just living there. He's just freeloading. Mm-hmm. Why Buster would you helped, date someone from this uh, family? I mean, why? Yeah. Buster helped his family reach a settlement in Mallory Beach's death. Um, so I guess... Oh. So they reached a settlement for a significant amount of money, which removed Buster and Maggie's names from the case. Um... 
Let's see. Yeah, this is back to this other guy. What is Buster's net worth? Let's see. <laughs> it's unclear what the Murdoch family assets look like right now or what Buster's net worth might total. The condo Buster in Brooklyn live in, which he purchased in 2021, is reportedly worth about 180000 So What? Like, wait 180000 How in God's name can you purchase a $180,000 condo? I thought Hilton Head was really nice. Yeah, it is. Well, well, we should I go to know. Hilton then because one hundred eighty thousand is nothing. Well, and they keep saying she purchased it, so that might not even be his asset. I'm sure he wants to keep his uh, mm-hmm. assets unreachable. Oh, oh well, well, here we go. It says Alex Murdoch sold the family estate Moselle to Maggie for five dollars back in twenty sixteen. Lawyers who are now in charge of Alex's assets are trying to avoid the sale, claiming it was fraudulent. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure the her. Uh, yeah, what's going on with? We'll have to look this up for mm-hmm. season three. But yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff going on with her estate and all of this. It's a very tangled web. I'm yes. sure. Oh, it's a tangled web we weave. It is when well, we are a um. You know, when first we pr- practice to deceive. When we when we are a privileged person who just decides to take all that privilege and do nothing good with it, but no. decides to um. You know. Because the, this whole thing was about about his own reputation. Because the thing was that he, they, these two did not have to die. They didn't. No. He didn't have to kill them. So, so basically, he only killed them not to help them or help anything. It was all to preserve himself, his life. And his, his money. And his money, because, his reputation, yeah. his perception. Because they were liable. Because Paul was only like 16, right? He was 19. Oh, he was 19. Okay, so, you know... It, I mean, so why would they be, I guess it's their boat. I don't know. I think their boat, their kid. I mean, yeah, but he's not a minor, you know, I don't know. Uh, The point is this man is um, deranged. Yes. And, um, and apparently living his best life, living his best life in prison. In prison. Who knew? And yeah. And women are writing him. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, you know, in a couple of years, we'll see a wedding. Someone's going to... Oh, God. <laughs> Alex is going to marry somebody. A jailhouse wedding. Yeah. I'm, trust me. I'm sure he could probably get conjugal g- visits the way these people Sounds treat like him. It. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't think he's... I mean, apparently, this one guy who was there, he said, listen, the conditions are deplorable. He says it's awful there. It's terrible. It's awful. But in an awful, awful place, this guy is getting the best treatment you can mm-hmm. get, it sounds like. So... Anyway. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, if you yeah, made yeah. it this far, thank you so much yes. for listening. Um, we are, uh, um, let's see, we are still covering Sister Wives season 18. Mm-hmm. It comes out on Tuesday. So if you like Sister Wives, um, subscribe. We'll subscribe regardless because <laughs> we're going to be talking about other things, not just Sister Wives. Um, we're coming up with... Um, what, what else we want to talk about? We've done a couple documentaries. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll keep doing that. But please subscribe. And also, if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and review. And um, you can check us out on Instagram and TikTok at Psych Legal Pop. And uh, we yeah. will see you next time. Yeah, spread the word. Tell All right. people. All right. Bye. Bye. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.